Sometimes the natural world is gross, sexy, horrifying, violent, and all those other words you look for in late night TV. This show is intended for mature audiences. Hey everyone, and welcome to our one year anniversary of Zoo After Dark. Woo! Yay! Wow, it hasn't felt like a year, but I guess it has been. Or has it felt like a century? Yeah, time is just so wibbly wobbly. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> A lot has changed in the past year, globally, as well as for the podcast and us individually. So we figured it would be a good time to reintroduce ourselves to you, both to our longtime listeners, as well as to our new listeners. So my name is Alec. I am currently a biology PhD student. I study paleobiology, and I am a former zoo educator. It's so hard to choose a favorite animal that I've ever worked with, but as a species, I'm going to have to go with American alligators. They really range anywhere from very, very chill to, I don't want that chicken you're holding in your hand to me. I want you instead, and I will figure out how to get you instead. And I love animals that are jerks and keep you on your toes. (laughs) Oh, boy. My name's Emily. I am now a marine biologist. I work in an aquarium. My favorite animal that I've worked with in the past is probably an African crowned crane just because she had a lot of personality and she was always super sweet and loved to dance around her enclosure with me when I would go in for husbandry. But currently I got to say stingrays have stolen my heart a little bit. They're a lot of fun. They have a lot more personality than I would expect. Oh yeah. Especially the few that I get to work with their target trained too. So it's like extra cute. Oh yeah. They're so good. <laughs> yeah. You can summon the sea pancakes. I can. The sea flap flaps. That's an amazing superpower. Yes. You know, everybody gives Aquaman a hard time, but he has some cool powers. He does. He can summon animals. That means like I'm Aquaman a little bit. Yes. Aqua lady. I don't know DC well enough to know if that's a thing. (laughs) Not Aqua lady. No, but it's, it's, it's going to be a thing. Okay. And I'm Leigh. I am a zoo educator who currently works at a zoo, and I have a background in neuroscience and animal behavior. A favorite animal you've worked with? Oh, it really is like choosing between my children. But hands down, my favorite animal to work with was the echidna. They are just so bizarre. And even though they are pokey and very, very strong, they're incredible animals. So as soon as I started working with those they stole my heart completely. My favorite part is when you found an echidna quill in your shoe. Yeah. <laughs> I really dodged a bullet with that one. Luckily, no injury happened. Guys, we have categories now. Emily's marine. I'm land. And Alec is ancient dead. Very dead. And we both have a little bit of air. We've got I this. Love it. Yeah. So now that we have reintroduced ourselves to you, I figured it'd be a good time to also focus on you, the listener. You have stuck with us for a full year. We've had some new listeners, um, as well as some that have stuck with us for a long time. And there is a wide diversity of all of you. We are based out of the U.S. However, a lot of our listeners are not inside the U.S. So I have a short guessing game for the two of you about our listeners. <sighs> oh, What country outside of the U.S. do you think we have the most downloads from? Australia. Um, England? No, Canada. (gasps) Oh, yeah, actually Canada? No, I'm going to go with England. Okay. It's Germany. (gasps) Wow. Wow. Germany. That was surprising to me. A country that does not speak English as a primary language as far as I know. That was really cool. So we're happy to have all of you. Yeah. 
We also have some very far off listeners. Where do you think our listeners the farthest from us are? What country do you think? Definitely this one's Antarctica. (laughs) Mm, uh, I mean, the farthest I think would be like from us geographically would be New Zealand. Oh, okay. New Zealand's pretty close. I'm sad to say that we don't have any Antarctic downloads yet. (sighs) In fact, the only continents we don't have downloads yet are Africa and Antarctica. So if you know any friends in there, (laughs) tell them to download so we can complete the set. But our farthest downloads have been from Australia and Sri Lanka. Oh, wow. That's That's really cool. cool. So you have some pretty far out there. So we're happy to have you. Yeah. And then what episode do you think out of all of our episodes this year has had the most total downloads. What animals are people the most interested in finding out how horrifyingly wonderful they are? Mm, I think I'm going to go with foxes <laughs> because they're really cute. Like, yeah, compared to all the other animals, they have that cute factor because they're one of the only mammals that we've talked about so far. So, yeah, I'm going to say foxes. They are adorable and very well Googled because of certain catchy songs, but I'm going to go based on the horrific things discussed in the podcast. I'm going to say butterflies. That one was fun. Yeah. It was butterflies. Yay! Wow. Uh, for most of the year, it was foxes. And then right oh. around springtime, we started getting a lot of downloads over spring and summer for butterflies. So both of you are kind of right. It was foxes for a while, <laughs> but at the moment, reigning champ is our butterflies episode. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. I got to make cool. some butterfly cocktails. Yeah. 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 It's cool how it's an insect too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually insects don't get as much love as the vertebrates. Nice. So speaking of different animals, if you've been looking through our episodes and thinking, hey, why haven't you talked about my favorite animal yet? Perfect way to do that would be to rate and review us and write in that review what kind of animal you want us to talk about next. Not only will we read your review in a future episode, we might also feature that animal as well. So remember to talk to us and we'll talk about your favorite animals too. Woo! Yeah, and we'd love to do uh, an animal from Germany. Yeah. As a thank you to our German listeners. Yeah. That would be really cool. Hmm. Well, for this episode, we are talking about another very cute, fuzzy mammal, similar to foxes, but not quite. More demonic than foxes, for sure. It's a little harsh. Mm, I don't know. They're chaos in the fursuit, and I love them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Although I know that they are not well-beloved by a lot of people. Yeah. They they seem to have very polarizing effects, depending on... uh, how they interact with where you live. (laughs) I feel like they're very polarized animals just in terms of their nature. They're so playful, but also so incredibly violent in every way possible. Yeah, it's true. Well, I guess without further ado, I'm going to give you guys a quick family-friendly summary on otters. (gasps) Cuddle party. No, don't do that. (laughs) But they're so cute and they hold hands. We'll get into it. Okay. (laughs) You're going to ruin cuddle parties for us already. No. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't. Just don't. All right. Otters are a carnivorous subfamily of mammals that are closely related to weasels, ferrets, badgers, minks, and wolverines. There are 13 species alive today, and all are semi-aquatic or aquatic, so they have powerful webbed feet and muscular tails to push through the water. Their coats consist of soft, insulated underfur with an outer layer of guard hairs. 
Otters are the only marine mammals that don't have blubber, so they use this fur to trap a layer of air to keep them warm and dry and also assist with buoyancy in the water. Because they spend so much time in cold water, otters have high metabolic rates to keep them warm, which means that they have to eat a lot of food to meet those energy demands. Otters eat primarily fish, but they'll also eat invertebrates and other animals. Some specialize in eating shellfish and sea urchins and play an essential role in kelp forest ecosystems as a result. Otters are often characterized as being playful animals, and they do appear to perform certain behaviors just for fun, like making water slides and playing with stones. They also appear to have high intelligence, and they are the only marine mammal to be observed using tools. As with most animal groups, some otter species are solitary, but some are very social and live in large groups. Otter pups stay around their family group for about a year. Unfortunately, otters have been heavily hunted for their fur since at least the 1700s. Otter pelts were seen as a symbol of high status, and killing an otter was a feat to brag about. Various forms of pollution, like oil spills, have also devastated otter populations. Seven out of 13 species are classified as threatened, and all species are in decline except for the North American river otter. Otters now have legal protections from being hunted for their fur in some countries, and biologists are learning more and more about how vital these animals are in their ecosystems. Absolutely. Just to go over one of the most prominent examples often used in textbooks and discussed in different science lectures and classes about otters. Leigh actually just mentioned it in her summary as well. Uh, Otters play a really, really important ecological role in the kelp forest habitat found up and down the coast of Australia. So otters can commonly be seen swimming and playing around the kelp forest. A lot of times they'll make nests in the floating parts of the kelp that kind of hang out on the surface of the water. Uh, But it wasn't until that habitat started to go into a decline that scientists realized how important otters were to that ecosystem. So in addition to eating different types of fish and crustaceans, otters are big sea urchin eaters. Uh, So much so that they actually play an important role in sea urchin population management. So after some time spent studying the kelp forest habitat, scientists noticed that they were seeing more and more sea urchins and less sea otters swimming around. And there were so many urchins that the kelp forest was actually starting to disappear. Those urchins were just eating up the kelp beds, destroying all the little sprouts to where the bottom of the ocean floor, instead of having those huge kelp forest stalks, was just covered in a sea of purplish black with all of those sea urchins. Not finding too many sea otters in the area, scientists began to wonder why. They later discovered that the local orca or killer whale populations could be seen commonly going after the sea otters as a means of food item, likely due to increased pressures uh, on the fish populations in the area. So overfishing is a big problem in many places across the world, and it's not just overfishing a species, it can also be overfishing a specific area. So they had to do that perhaps by a lot of commercial fishing um, and industrial fishing projects. The fish population was decreasing, putting increased pressure on the orca population to find a different food source. They were able to find a whole bunch of these sea otters and started predating upon them instead of the fish that they could more easily find before. Having less sea otters then allowed those sea urchins to take over the kelp forest, thus resulting in little to no kelp forest present in many areas along the coastline. But scientists were able to put together that whole puzzle just by noticing a change in the overall habitat and noticing that the sea otters kind of disappeared from that habitat. So 
It's a really complicated chain that they were able to puzzle out. Yeah. And of course, the kelp is extremely important for biodiversity and the overall health of the ecosystem. So these little otters, even though they are a complicated bag of behaviors, they are very, very important for the ecosystem. Absolutely. They're tiny little ecosystem protectors. They are, yeah. Yep. Ecosystem protectors, keystone species, yeah. Sometimes keystone engineer, depending on what your definition is of those phrases, but definitely a keystone species, a species that essentially plays a larger role in an ecosystem than its niche specifically. Did you say niche? I panicked. Normally I say niche, but <laughs> I've had so many people correct me for niche, so... I had an entire conversation about this in one of my classes the other day and no one could decide. Yeah. It's like GIF and GIF. Yeah. Yeah. No I normally that. say niche, but Listen, I'm French. When it's, I'm, it's fucking niche. When I am doing more like semi-formal stuff, I'll say niche just because that's what most people Ugh. are used to hearing. So they're like, niche? niche? What's that? I think I just swap around and can never decide. Yeah. It just okay. depends on the flow, you know? Sorry. Yeah, sea otters actually played a role in how we understand even keystone species being a thing. They were one of the very first uh, animals actually identified as a keystone species. So not only are they important to their environment, they're also important to us understanding this kind of a relationship in other environments too. And this system with the otters and the sea urchins impacting the kelp forests and the orcas also help ecologists to prove and find evidence for the significance of top-down predation. Because before this, it was um, a controversial thing. People weren't even really convinced that top-down predation had a significant effect or was legit. So, yeah, this is a very, very important web which is all to say, we love them, and these are very important animals, whether they're sea otters or river otters, before we get into the really weird, kind of fucked up stuff about them. <laughs> yeah, it can be pretty bad when those otters are being predated upon themselves, but it can be even worse when they get sick. Do you guys know what a sick otter is called? What? Average, because they do such fucked up stuff to each other. Okay, sick is an illness, <laughs> not sick as in, like... Twisted, twisted, weird. Well, they're called snotters. So, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, we ruined oh, your joke. It's fine. <laughs> but, but there is a thing called a snot otter, also known as a hellbender. They're a very oh. giant salamander that needs protection. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Oh, we should talk about salamanders one time. Or that would be weird? a lot of fun. All right, back to snotters. <laughs> Where do we even start with otters? Oh my goodness. Um, first of all. Don't trust them if you have pets. Please, 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 if you live in an area that has otters, please keep an eye on your dogs or cats if you bring them outside because otters are known for killing dogs. I would say killing and eating, but sometimes they just kill them for fun. They can kill a whole lot bigger than that. Uh, yes. So I was trying to look up like what is the largest thing an otter can take on. And giant river otters have been known to take down caimans. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. I was going to say, I read articles about them going after gators and large dogs. But yeah, caimans can yeah. be pretty big, too. And well, they're nasty, too. They're smaller than American alligators. Mm -hmm. However, they are a lot more aggressive. Right. They're more close, like, behavior-wise to crocs than gators. Mm -hmm. So, 
Absolutely. Otters are very strong. They do eat shellfish. So they need those very powerful, strong jaws and they are carnivores. Mm -hmm. So lots of jaw strength in their very strong teeth and they're very strong for swimming through the water. If anyone has a ferret, you know, just how strong they are. Uh, Often a lot of people recommend that you don't put ferrets and cats near each other unsupervised more so because the ferret could kill the cat. They're very strong. They have thick skin, so they don't often realize how strong they are. And being in the same family, the same kind of principle applies. They are very strong for their size, you know, unpredictably so sometimes. So they can take on much larger animals without fear. And it's not even just the jaw too, just their hands and arms are strong because they can tear open clams and muscles just with their hands. And as people, a lot of times we need some sort of tool to help us. So I know, well, they will use tools actually. They'll use rocks to help them open clams, but I know firsthand exactly how powerful, how strong those hands are. They have really good grip strength. Yeah, they do. This means that you otter appreciate them from a distance. Alec, no. Yes. Yay. I expect this from Emily, but not from you. <gasps> no, I'd love oh, it. Oh, you were otterly wrong in that. Ooh. You otter know better next time. <laughs> All right. Well, I otter get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't go. We'll miss you. We could hold her hostage Whoa. just like otters do with baby otters. Oh my you could. gosh. You get into the otter mindset. Yeah. So yeah, kidnapping is a thing that otters like to do. I learned about like the male otters oftentimes while the female otter or the new mom is hunting to try and find food for her and her pups. The male will just kind of sneakily take one of the babies and hold on to it as a form of ransom to get the food from the female so he doesn't have to go hunting for himself. Like, what? Just to be a real otter and just go find (laughs) your own food. You're a great predator. You're huge. You can easily get your own food. That shows just how amazing predators they are to me, though. Like, it's easier to take offspring of another of their own species than it is to go after the kind of prey that they go after. And so intelligent. Yeah, that's that shows what I was a lot thinking. of intelligence. Yeah, it's definitely, it's crazy because it's like a multi-step thought process. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. animals we think are super intelligent if they just have one frame of thought process that they can go through. But that's multi-step to where mm-hmm. they have to recognize, okay, this pup is important to this female. And this female is going after a resource that I want. So perhaps by taking something that she wants... I can then get something that I want without having to work for it. Like, it's so complex. It's multiple levels of cause and effect and predicting the behavior of another individual. Yeah, because, I mean, I suppose it could be a gamble if, like, the female doesn't care about her pup. Because, I don't know, maternal instinct and attachment can fluctuate depending on the species and how the female is doing and how or how the offspring's doing yeah how the offspring is doing as well so yeah i mean it it is really a gamble too so and like i mentioned they need to eat a lot to keep up their metabolism so sea otters will eat up to 20 25 of their body weight in food every day so they spend a lot of time hunting and to understand that this is a good enough assumption to make that if they steal the offspring of a female, they will probably get food. That's a high stakes bet for them. 
It is long-term thinking. You could actually ask an otter, what would you do for a Klondike bar? And if they understood the words out of your mouth, they could probably answer and would probably answer with hold your child hostage, which I have right now. Give the Klondike bar over. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I've never heard that answer before in the commercials. (laughs) Klondike, sponsor us. (laughs) We'll stop talking about otters kidnapping for your bars. (laughs) Now, though, they're cannibalistic, too, though. So perhaps if the male... Oh, that's a good point. It's interesting that then if we add that level, too, like, firstly, that's another shocking fact to discuss. But also, like, why hold the baby, the pup, hostage for another type of food if otters have been observed to be cannibalistic? Like, you could just steal the pup and eat that but perhaps it's not preferred. Yeah, probably not a preferred food source. And I guess nutrients. you could even take that to another level and say perhaps the otter can understand like, okay, if I eat this pup, that's a meal for right now, but perhaps I could keep taking advantage of this mom and repeatedly steal her pup to get the food. You can oh my an, God. You can give an otter a fish or you can- Yeah, give it a fish or teach it how to fish. And or can- no- you can give it a fish or teach it how to kidnap a baby. <laughs> oh, true. And then they'll keep getting fish. Man. But, you know, maybe the mother otter has just been driven to her wit's end, especially when the children might be running around going crazy. And then she just gets fed up with their otter nonsense. Oh, yeah. Is this just going to be the same joke over and over? I mean, most of these puns <laughs> seem to just use otter, like the word, and then they don't really put a variation on it because it can be used as like a cognate for so many other words. Ooh, what do you say when you see a famous otter? Please, sir, can I have your autograph? <gasps> oh, I don't know that I would ever want to get close enough to an otter no. to get its autograph, autograph, though. Like, no. I mean, what they do to their mates is crazy enough, let alone to strangers. Should we Mm -hmm. delve into that? I mean, they do it to dead strangers, too. That's true, yeah. They're not very picky. No. I know giant river otters are very, very aggressive compared to the smaller otter species. But then sea otters, like, are they a bit more moderate comparatively? I am finding results saying that sea otters have tried to mate with juvenile harbor seals. Mm -hmm. The dead pups is the one that I'm finding from river otters, though. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I have learned that's probably the scariest thing that I've learned between mustelids, like the otters, and then even pinnipeds, too, which is like seals and sea lions, will often mate with pups as a form of practice. Or perhaps just because they're bored to a degree. I don't know which is worse. Yeah, it's tough to guess why. But it is a commonly observed behavior. That does throw another benefit into why they're kidnapping pups. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Double benefit. It just keeps getting worse. Yeah. So... Potential food from the baby or the food the mother gives you. Other activities? Yeah, mating practice. Man. Life is hard for a baby otter. Maybe this is why they're evil. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Just so traumatized. And then it's just a vicious cycle. They could choose a better life. But, you know, when they're raised like this. We need otter social services and therapists. Yeah. (laughs) 
So we could say that's shitty behavior, but don't worry, they're also shitty dancers <laughs> because they have a special kind of feces called spraint yes. uh, that they have been known to do what is called poop dance, where they will essentially move their tail and hind limbs around to spread it out more. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of look like a weird dance. Interesting. Is this like to mark territory? and stuff i would assume or is it like a display like how far can i shoot my poop and then i'm superior also why is spray paint not just called spraint because it sounds wrong Mm. it sounds too close to taint i mean but if you made spray paint out of spray it would smell good actually it actually smell better believe or not so otters have these absolutely You'd imagine from their diet, it would smell so bad. Things like oysters with the sea otters or with lots of fish in the river otters diets. It would probably smell really, really bad. But apparently it smells like lilac, according to most people. The interesting thing about otter feces is that it has such a wide diversity in its smells. People have reported things like fresh hay. But of course, it also smells like rancid fish at times. So there is, um, it smells like a lot of different things. And I wonder what causes it to smell different. Yeah. And I wonder if it's like person specific or like each time one individual smells it, can it change? That's interesting. Is like, as in, does the feces itself actually smell like that? Or is it the perception of the person who is doing the smelling? Right. Huh. Sounds like one of us has to go and collect some sprain at some point, and then we have to test this ourselves. <laughs> oh, man. Or we can Well, you're closer to where the river otters would be. There's a river right outside my apartment. <laughs> Ooh, well, then maybe we could do some compare and contrast. We yeah. have otters here. You have otters up there. So Let's test it out. All right. Um, we should also probably get in touch with a perfumist or somebody who studies aromatics so they can Ooh. look at the chemical compounds. That would make sense, too. Yeah, yeah. because if you guys don't already know, the musk for a lot of mustelids are commonly used as additives in perfumes. Really? To give them different scents. It stabilizes mm-hmm. the smell. Mm-hmm. Something finally stable about otters. <laughs> it can also help with like the longevity. So it's a big thing in perfumes. Like you right. want the smell to last. Yes, so by... it stabilizes the aromatic compounds. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I had a professor who was really into um, perfumery because it's a very guarded study. Perfumists, it's a very elite mm. thing to study. And the oh. secrets of perfumery are very, very closely guarded. Well, now I need to know the secrets. <laughs> well, I guess you got to go launch your <laughs> new career in perfume. I just want to work in perfumery because I enjoy that word. <laughs> it is fun. So long, fish. I make perfumes now. Oh, you do. You would go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. <laughs> I smelled a lot of fish and it got me interested in smells. Yeah. You can become a perfumist for animals. Oh, maybe. Actually, that would be interesting. A perfumist for animals? Well, you could create different um, like smells that would be used for enrichment for mm. animals on habitat. So they could smell other say... animals, same animals, maybe isolate pheromones that could be used to encourage breeding behaviors. Yeah, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. That that makes more sense than just trying to make them smell better. Because if anything, cause. yeah, working <laughs> at this aquarium has uh, shown me that fish smell is very persistent. <laughs> and yeah, fish and squid especially mm-hmm. last all day. Sometimes I come home 
And even though I've like taken a shower and I've been relaxing, I'm like, do I smell fish? Is that krill I sense in the air? <laughs> like phantom smells. I just can't get rid of it. You're already creating your own perfume, just not the smells you want. There you go. But at the zoo, we all used to work at, um, was it the lemurs who would sometimes get perfume sample cards that you'd get in magazines? They'd get it as enrichment and they would rub it on their bodies because they liked the smell, but it didn't really help their overall smell. They just smelled Mm -hmm. like two different smells together that did not work. Maybe otters would like to smell the perfume cards. Again, if they have their nose still intact... Is probably oh. the scariest thing. Yeah. Is the nose biting that happens during their traumatic mating. Which is an actual term. Yes. Used to describe otter mating. The fact that otters, their actual mating gets that title as traumatic mating is just a testament to how gruesome it can be sometimes. I know typically the male will grab the female and sometimes hold her in the water to perform the mating after biting her nose. As in like under the water, right? Yeah. And it seems to appear in both river and sea otters too. That's a lot of species right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just an otter thing. Yeah. I know it's crazy to see sometimes pictures of the female otters and their nose will just be missing from repeated traumatic matings. Not necessarily from one, but just the repeated process. Female otters are tough. They are. They get their offspring kidnapped while they're trying to go out and hunt. Already really difficult prey. They can be missing part of their nose. They, I'm trying to think of an animal that goes through a harder life than a female otter right now. And I cannot think of one through the top of my head. Female otters have a really tough life, but otters actually help make a lot of people's lives easier. I know that there are a lot of places, at least here in the U.S., where people just generally do not like river otters, especially feeling that they take fish from fishermen, which I mean, that does happen, but the otters also live there. But there are places where people will actually train river otters to help them catch fish. Similarly to how here in the U.S., a lot of people will train dogs to catch waterfowl for them. That is really cool. So river otters, you never think of them as being trainable. um, Mm -hmm. And I do not recommend having one as a pet. Definitely. There's a centuries old tradition in Bangladesh uh, using trained otters to actually uh, maneuver fish into the nets. Wow. That's pretty cool. So you're talking about how smart they are. They can be, I mean, essentially equivalent to how a lot of people use dogs in hunting. Yeah. That is pretty incredible. So maybe they are just too smart for their own good and they just need a job. Yeah, Emily and I were talking. It seems that there are a lot of violent tendencies in more intelligent animals. Mm -hmm. You see it in chimpanzees and dolphins and people and otters. And a common justification, if you use humans as an example for violent tendencies, is boredom or not having better outlets for the feelings that they have, emotions, creativity. So it'd be an interesting thing, psychologically speaking. Now we need the otter social services, we need otter therapists, as well as 24-7 enrichment for wild otters. <laughs> Yes. This is yep. how we would get otter utopia where cuddle piles yes. are everywhere. Yes. Sounds good. 
they can exist totally. Although they do to a degree, otters can, of course, cuddle together to help stay warm. They do hold mm-hmm. their hands to prevent from floating away in their little rafts in the kelp beds. Yeah, but so. it, sorry to burst any bubbles. It's not like two mates will hold hands no. to keep from floating away from each other. They're just doing it to stay together Yeah, in general. They're not monogamous by any means, no. as Emily mentioned, but... Yeah, but it's still cute. Yeah, that's cute. They're incredibly playful. Yeah. That's even cuter to me. It's like, love whoever's around you and hold on to them because neither of you want to float away. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on to your friends because they could just drift off into the ocean and die. Be eaten by an orca. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants that. No. (laughs) But can we talk about them using tools for a second? People have certainly observed baby otters starting to use rudimentary tools and start trying to use tools before they're even weaned. So it starts at a very early age for otters, which I think actually is ahead of dolphins in terms of tool use. Yeah. I mean, just using tools in general is really cool because a lot of times we think about primates being the main group of animals that will use tools, but it's fun to see a different type of animal. What do you think an otter's favorite tool is? Something violent. A rock? Yeah, just a rock. A stick? A rock is very diverse. You know, you can That's true. beat your uh, clamshells open. You can yeah. beat your neighbor's head. Oh, true. Yeah. See, I was <laughs> thinking more like a clamshell because you can use it to pry open other clams. You can use it as a scoop. You can use it as a slicer to attack your otter enemies. I mean, baby otters sound like a very useful tool. <laughs> no. <laughs> I love how we all fully knew how awful otters are coming into this, and yet we are still horrified. But they're also still one of my favorites, though. They are amazing predators. They are, yeah. And like we said, very, very important for the ecosystems out there in the kelp forests. They would literally collapse and have literally collapsed without the presence of otters. Do you think that when male otters kidnap the babies, they are subject to grand theft otter? (gasps) Oh, Oh, no. No joke is going to top that one. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Grand theft otter. That's what they do. Do we want to do like a fish next? Oh, that would be a good idea. Miles below the kelp forest. We talk about some more weirdos in the group that is abyssal fish. Well, let's not judge them. I mean, I wonder what they would do for Klondike Bar. Would they result to kidnapping too? I don't know. They're so terrifying. I don't think they would need to do much other than just swim up. I'd hand it over. A lot of them do lure. Perhaps they lure children. And by children, of course, I mean little fish. Not real children. 